Welcome back to the Hoops Temple podcast. Y'all know me, Nathan Schwartz. Joining me from New Zealand, Dylan Williamson. Good morning. Good morning. And joining me, still basking in the glow of the beam in Sacramento, Aaron Schroeder. Good afternoon, guys. It's hard to get around in this area. It's just blinding purple. So we just witnessed the second highest scoring game in league history, which I'm really surprised that that hasn't been like a record that's been broken this season. Kind of feels like with all of the massive scoring, the high pace plus three pointers, we would have broken that yet. But your two teams were on opposite ends. Let's start with the victors. How do we feel about the Kings coming off of that game? It was the best win of my life. <laughs> and I wish I wish I could say anything differently. Um, everything was just perfect. Down to the last minute detail. It was perfect. Um, especially, I think the most important thing was eating the Clippers, who are right below us in the four seed, getting that two-game gap. Because I know, like, given the Kings... Things are going to go poorly at some point, but just that they're not going poorly quite yet is awesome. Um, to see De'Aaron Fox go up against Kawhi Leonard and go shot for shot, that Malik Monk performance was insanity. I feel great. I feel great. I have no predictions. I have no this. I have no uh, idea what this means going forward, but in the moment, it was incredible. Yeah, I mean, like watching the late stages of that game as much as I did. It was really one of like the most bizarre and like frustrating games that I've ever seen. Like <laughs> going down the fourth quarter, being up multiple positions and then watching them just like throw the ball away in like three straight positions and then come back and go to overtime and then, you know, come out strong in overtime but then blow that as well and go to double OT and then to lose on a freaking um, you know, Malik Monk <laughs> channeling Michael Jordan shot was one of the most frustrating games that I've ever seen. But an absolutely incredible game. Like both teams, it's it's so rare. I think Nate the reason that we haven't seen a game like this is because it's so rare that both teams will just get absolutely scorching hot. You know, like sometimes teams will just shoot fifty percent from from three and, you know, make twenty six three pointers. But that's very rare. And so it's very rare that both teams will go out and do that and, you know, just shoot freaking 60% from the field for the, for the entire game. Can I ask, how did you guys feel about the defense? Because I, I feel like I have a take on this, but I want to hear your guys' opinions first as relative fans of the Clippers and Kings. The Kings defense is not very good, but, but to, to Dylan's point, um, it was just unprecedented shooting from, from all over the court. And, and to get on the Clippers a little bit, Kawhi looked fucking fantastic. If you're the Clippers, you leave that game saying, okay, that was a, like a tough loss, it's a tough hole to swallow, but I, I look forward to the playoffs. I want to see how Kawhi handles a playoff series because I think he's going to be totally fine. He looked like it didn't matter who was on him, he was he can score 40. Yeah, I mean, the, there's been sort of this weird phenomenon in the Clippers' um, season where they started off the year as one of the best defenses in the league, but they just could not score the freaking ball. But now they've totally flipped it. Now they're one of the best offenses in the league, but they just cannot get a stop and can't, you know, they don't force any turnovers. Um, they do so little well defensively. Got new players, got, you know, Zubats is missing. He almost never misses time and he's an important defensive piece. But it's this really bizarre swap of going from being hopeless on offense to just hopeless on defense. I feel like I've got a little bit of a different take on the defense in this game. I thought Sacramento played an incredible game. There were times where they were masterfully attacking whoever the new guys were. They would like try to involve Plumlee and Westbrook in pick and rolls. And Westbrook would think we're switching, Plumlee would drop, and Clippers would get it, or the, the Kings would get an open shot. 
Kings also took advantage of that on the defensive side and got a lot of steals. They forced so many turnovers. I know Clippers ended with 25 turnovers, but it felt like a lot of those were live ball turnovers, especially late. There was a a run where Fox got like three steals and four possessions when they were down. Uh, they were down 131 to 144, and I thought that was going to be the end of this game. Like, hey, you're, you got a 13-point lead. There's like six minutes left, and Fox got a lot of steals. I thought they took, I thought the Kings took a lot of advantage of the Clippers' poor team cohesion, poor unity, poor understanding of where player X or Y would be. And so, like, I'm really high on this. I thought it was a really heady game for the Kings and a really gutty game for the Kings where they didn't go away. And then I'm, like, really high on the Clippers from this game because they made just, like, just dumb rookie mistakes of we don't know where our guys are because we never played together. And they still had this incredible high scoring game they shot the lights out they shot 57 percent from three on 45 attempts like that is insane they have so much talent that they were able to overcome just boneheaded stupid mistakes so i i thought it was a really good game from both sides and i didn't like the take that everyone was like yeah not much defense is being played i'm like no defense was fine it's not great you don't have great defense in these games but thought the Kings did a really good job on defense, actually, and that's how they got a lot of their points was fast breaks. It's legitimately just one of the best games that's ever been played. Just ever. The second highest scoring game ever, and the, and the number one highest scoring game ever was from two teams that were, like, trying something new in the early 80s where they purposefully were just trying to score as many points as possible while just being bad at defense. The Nuggets and the Pistons doing this kind of experimental brand of basketball where that's not what the Kings and the Clippers are doing right now. <laughs> kind of. One of the teams is de- definitely not doing that. But when both the teams are doing that, then it's like, okay, 180. It was also a triple overtime game. This is just a double overtime game. Really quickly before um, Dylan says something, I think you're guaranteed to say something. The Lakers did beat Dallas. 111 to 108. At one point, the Lakers were down 24 to 50. 630 left in the second quarter. Pulled it off. That's a massive win. Mm. Lakers are kind of climbing up in the standings now. Like, they might be pretty close to having a better net rating than the Clippers at this point. Let me see. It hasn't refreshed. Has it refreshed? Is this two in a row or three in a row? Two in a row. Two in a row. Okay, so ESPN looks like it's right. And they beat the Mavs. No, that's not right. That's not right. Uh, it might be three in a row. Two back okay. from break. Okay, yeah. Uh, ESPN's not ready. It's not ready for primetime quite yet. Um, <laughs> I think with that win, they might have tied Portland and the Thunder. I don't know what the tiebreaker looks like for them. Uh, the ESPN just updated it on the refresh. They have the tiebreaker, so they're now in the 11th seed. Mm, check it out, man. Yeah. With that Dallas loss, if they are... Uh, now one game away from that, that treaded seven seed. With the another important note, with the Phoenix Suns losing today to the Bucks, the Kings are now two and a half games up on the four seed. Plus, five thirty-eight now says the Lakers have a forty-nine percent chance to make the playoffs, the highest it's oh, been wow. all season. Big jump, big jump. Looking at the Mavericks, it's really almost like there's a formula when playing around LeBron and Davis. Yeah, I mean, it, it guys who can shoot and play defense. And defense is kind of questionable for a lot of these guys, but man, I love watching Vanderbilt. Oh, yeah. I'm incredibly jealous of, of that you guys got him for nothing. Like, Beasley and Russell, if we had just gotten those two, it would have been an okay move. I mean, it still would have been a great move. Still would have been a great move. Uh, but to, to also on, get Vanderbilt. Are we good on no, the no. Kings and Clippers? Because We're not good on the okay. Kings and Clippers because I, I, I want to talk Westbrook. About, okay, just one second. Because the next thing to be that the 7 through 10 in the West is three ties and then... Pelicans are a half game back. 
That's insanity. I don't, I don't know what it was when we talked last, but oh my god. Let's talk Westbrook, though, because I do want to know. Because as someone who, like, had to watch the highlights and, like, the game recaps and the box score, I was unable to, to really get the full grip on what Westbrook did in little things. I think if you are a Westbrook fan, he did enough good that you can walk out of the game and say, wow, Westbrook's going to win a title with the Clippers. And if you're a Westbrook pessimist... He did enough things bad that you're going to walk out of the game and be like, oh my god, this is the end of the Clippers. And with that, I'll turn it over to Dylan. <laughs> I was going to say, I think I literally said those exact words. <laughs> this is the end of the Clippers. <laughs> it's over. <laughs> that's Listen, that's why I transitioned to you. That's, I'm a professional here. Yeah, I mean, the I'll, I'll first start by complimenting some of the things that he did. Um, the Clippers, one of their biggest issues offensively is that they're just incredibly slow in getting into their shit. Like they bring the ball up and then stand there and then chuck it around for a bit before they do anything. Um, and potentially the one thing that Westbrook is still good at is, I guess, just pushing the pace and getting downhill. Now he's still a bad decision maker. Um, he's still a, you know, a bad finisher. Um, underratedly, he can't hit any shots, including layups. Um, Mm -hmm. and when he doesn't have the ball, he's in the way. I mean, there was this one horrendous play where Norm Powell was sort of driving to the basket and Westbrook was like at the elbow and he just like sort of like ran into him. Um, but credit to Westbrook, like he bailed him out. He just sort of cut, crossed over and drove baseline and, and made the layup. But if that shot hadn't gone in, that would have been sort of a viral moment of this is the Westbrook problem. When Norm Powell's got a semi-open, you know, he beats his man and has got an open lane to the basket and Westbrook's at the elbow because he can't fucking shoot. Um, but yeah, the most concerning thing is not necessarily Westbrook himself. Like we all, we all know his flaws and I just said, you know, he does have some some upside. The concerning thing is, I guess, the entitlement that Ty Lue has has given him, where he immediately has come in and is immediately the starter and a high minutes player. When, you know, Terrence Mann is just such a better fit for Kawhi and Paul George in a lot of minutes, in a lot of matchups, you know, he can defend. He's a better shooter than Westbrook. He's a better finisher than Westbrook. I don't know how the stats have changed, but last I looked at it, Terrence Mann is 70% at the rim and Westbrook is 48%. So we want to talk about rim pressure. Well, you know, being able to make the layups that you generate is quite an important part. And so the really concerning thing is just that Bones Highland, DMP coach's decision, Robert Covington, DMP coach's decision, and Terrence Mann, low minutes off the bench after playing really well as a starter. And so I think the more concerning thing is not just that Westbrook is exactly what Clippers fans hoped he would you know they they dreaded that he would be um but also the fact that he immediately is just given the keys to be the starter to play high minutes and to play a lot with the starters bones highland's gotta be furious oh yeah <laughs> he had the he had it man yeah yeah he goes from this terrible situation in denver where he's incredibly unhappy he gets traded to a you know not the best team at this at this stage but a team with you know playoff aspirations two hall of fame players on the roster and then he you know gets you know he's now out of the rotation he wanted more and is now going to get less now i don't entirely think that's bad i came into the season incredibly high on bones i thought there was a good chance he'd be a future all-star i still see those flashes when i watch him play but i also i actually see a lot of westbrook in him where it's like let me over dribble and pound the rock and try to get something i mean you even saw it in the the rising stars challenge into where he's out there over dribbling like I think the longest possessions were the possessions where he tried to run the offense. And it's because he just wants to try to do some so much that I'm I'm not the saddest that he's out of the rotation. I think he'll be better 
in the future, but I don't think he's there yet. I think as the Clippers are trying to win, it's more important to have someone that's ready now. I, I notated a bunch of stuff from Westbrook during this game, uh, and, and I didn't actually have my laptop with me till the second quarter, and so uh, the notes notes are a little bit later, but um, there were some good. Uh, Westbrook kind of set that second screen in the Spain action, uh, or no, Paolo set the second screen in the Spain action. Westbrook drives off of Plumley pick and roll, and they kick back to Paolo, and it was just, it, it was like a hard drive, opened up the three. I loved that. Then um, when the score was 61 to 64, Westbrook set a screen for Paul George. Play didn't work, but <laughs> you ever listen to someone, and they're like, man, if Westbrook would just start saying, you know, the ball screen and then rolling, yeah, he kind of popped, but it's still, still, it's a screen in his first day. We're going to appreciate it, the little things. I wanted to add, have you guys ever seen that meme of those two people like fighting like the beach or something? And there's that guy like smoking a pipe behind them just watching. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that, I'm the guy with the pipe watching <laughs> you guys trade Westbrook. <laughs> watch one guy at Westbrook and then next down, no, Dylan has to watch Westbrook and I'm just, just enjoying my myself. Uh, there was a lot that Westbrook did good in this game. You could also point to several key moments where Westbrook lost them this game. Um, Fox makes that strip on him. 136 to 147. Helps fuel the Kings comeback run or get that started. Uh, it's 154-155. Uh, there's a little Kawhi, or, uh, yeah, Kawhi Batum um, two-man game. And then it gets swung to Westbrook. He drives and just lays it up at the rim and drops it short. And then in the overtime, the Kings kind of figured out Westbrook. And they were like, hey, let's just leave him open. So the Kings guy, the Kings have been dropping deep on him the whole time, about free throw line, sometimes foot in the lane. Uh, but then when he'd catch it, they'd jump back out to him and he'd drive hard and then be able to kick again. And when they were doing that, it looked really great. But then in overtimes, they were just like, all right, what if we just don't jump out to Westbrook? It gets swung to him and we just stay home on everyone else. Like, all right, that's that's what we're going to live with. And it worked. So I I think you're right, Dylan. I think it's way too many minutes for Westbrook. I'd like to see him in the 16 to 20 range. But I, I do think he adds some value. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he, he sort of gives them something that they needed, which is a little bit more um, a little bit more of a deliberate offense and just like yeah. getting into their shit. Um, now, would like, you know, Ish Smith bring up the pace and get you into your offense? Would like yeah. Raul, Raul Smith, Neto yeah. bring up, bring up <laughs> the pace and, and get you into your offense? <laughs> you know, like there are other players I think that you could get at a similar price that can sort of achieve a similar level of effect without all the downside. Um, but yeah, th I think he does does provide some value. Um, one of the things you said that was a defense of the Clippers in this game, but could actually be an indictment as well, is you mentioned, you know, one of the issues that they were having is a little bit of inexperience playing with each other, not knowing exactly what to, you know, the defensive schemes. Um, mm -hmm. Isn't that just like the story of Russell Westbrook's defensive career, though, is not making the right move? Like, yeah. not knowing what to do? And so, like, y yes, there is, like, mostly there is hope that, like, they'll figure the shit out and they'll know the scheme and they'll be able to defend better. But also, we've seen Russell Westbrook, like, not be able to defend pick and roll and, you know, just, just not being smart defensively for several years now. And so yeah. I'm hoping that <laughs> this is not actually as good as it gets. I, I was really thinking that more with Mason Plumley. I know Westbrook's limitations, having watched him a lot this season <laughs> uh, in a Lakers uniform. But Plumley Plumley looked 
suspiciously worse than I'm used to with him. Um, and so I think Plumley's defense will get better. I can't promise you anything about Westbrook. I thought Plumley looked kind of good offensively, though. Yeah. Like, like <laughs> um, I mean, one of the bad things about him is that, like, because he's got this slightly above average level of ball skill that he, like, thinks he should be, like, handling the ball all the time. Like, he, like, brought the ball up. He had this nice little, like, between the legs behind the back dribble move. And, like, that, like, provides a little bit of value. But because he's slightly above average at that, like, he just thinks he should be doing it all the time. Like, he thinks he's Jokic. <laughs> so, like, that's a downside. But, um, you know, part of the reason that the Clippers couldn't score early in the season is there's no ball movement because none of the guys can pass. And Plumlee is a good passer um, at the five spots. So that, that maybe helps there. He'll help replace what Hartenstein did for you guys off the bench. Yeah, that's that's pretty good comp actually. Yeah, I feel like that's enough on the Clippers Kings. Unless you guys have any other takes, did did you guys get a chance to watch anyone else new new face, new place, or just kind of coming back from break? I have not not had the opportunity to. Not, not that I can think of. There's a massive game going to start in an hour. The the Warriors and Timberwolves. They're tied right now. I'm like in Feb just infatuated with this this West Western Conference play in. Uh, you also got the Kings Kings Thunder, which could be a big loss. So you got the potential tankathon game of Houston Portland going on tonight. I had a poor Dame is playing on my betting app on Prize Picks. Like the over under the line for points, rebounds, and assists for Dame was fifty and a half. As I don't know why I just couldn't. I it seems right if he's like going to try against Houston, but I just couldn't bring myself to do it for this OKC game though. SGA is not playing. It could be that it could be a devastating loss. The Kings tend to play down to their competition. I feel good. I, I would prefer that he does not play. If I'm rooting for the Kings to win, I'd prefer that SGA not play. Man, this T-Wolves-Warriors game, I feel like they've played a lot, T-Wolves and Warriors. Maybe it's just because I bet on their last game and I and I was wrong. I remember it so vividly. They've played twice. They're currently one and one against each other. Okay. I think I was wrong on both of those. <laughs> I bet the wrong way for each one. It'll happen to you. It happens to us all. Well, I did get a chance to watch. I, I've actually watched a lot of games. I think I spent all of Friday and actually a lot of Saturday uh, I accidentally got a concussion on Saturday, so oh, wow. kind of just laid around. Yeah, we had a, like a massive ice storm, um, and I went out to just pour some salt on it, and I just slipped, fell back, conked my head on the concrete, and was like dazed and just laid there for like five minutes, then got up and spinning, nauseous. And I was like, all right, cool. I'm just going to watch basketball all day. So I've watched 10 games in the last two days, and I, I don't regret life choices. I hope that head knock didn't affect your um interpretation of the of the games. That's, oh, where, the, that's where the I hope, praise comes from. Yeah, I hope that your Clippers <laughs> optimism isn't a result of brain damage. <laughs> I mean, it might be. <laughs> frontal, frontal lobe severely well, impaired. Will not Does rule West, that. Does Westbrook out. make it good passes? <laughs> he was. And, and, you know, <laughs> I don't know. This is a, this is a non trustworthy source. I'm I blaming you before you said that. I just I don't know if I don't know if we can believe your your what you saw. I, I blame Plumley. He's dropping things right and left. Okay. Bad hands, Plumley. Well, Let one of the games that I watched uh, was the Hawks. Hooks Cavs, and I watched it in part because I wanted to see just how bad their offense was. Like, how is this going so horribly? Because they just fired Nate McMillan. I'm like, all right, you know, maybe Prunty's going to do something in his one new day. And we were discussing this in the pre-pod, but I, I joked that you could make a drinking game out of drinking every time they pass more than twice and, and probably be sober. You know, you might finish one beer in the game, and that's counting the inbounds pass because their entire offense is just... Inbound the ball to Trey or Murray, let them dribble up, 
maybe have a screen action, maybe they attack, and if they attack, they either shoot or they pass, and whoever they pass to definitely isn't passing a second time. So it, it really was terrible. I know we did our mock Eastern Conference, what we'd like to see in the playoffs. I don't want to see Atlanta anywhere near the playoffs. You didn't like my Boston... No, that was Boston-Washington. Never mind. I take it. Yeah, I'd, I'd rather have that. All right, we're still rooting for Washington. I think there could be a big change, though, coming in Atlanta. Like, they are possibly one of the most unwatchable teams in the league. Like, whenever I see an Atlanta game, I'm like, oh, I will keep scrolling past that one. Like, I don't want to see fucking Trey Young play basketball ever again. Mm-hmm. Um, it's but hard to watch. They moved on from a coach who, you know, who definitely had some great points, led his team to a, a conference finals. But one of the biggest criticisms of him is a lack of offensive creativity. And they are, you know, ESPN reporting that they are basically done on a deal with um, Quinn Snyder, who a couple of years ago was, you know, sort of established himself as one of the very best coaches in the entire NBA. And for multiple years, had the Jazz right up as one of the best offenses in the league, despite having mm-hmm. this, you know, so-called offensive black hole at, at the five. Um, and like... The Jazz thrived on ball movement and shooting, um, you know, putting their best players in positions to succeed and, you know, pick and roll, that sort of thing. And I think that, like, a Jazz-like system would actually work well for the Hawks, who have great shooters off the dribble, like Donovan Mitchell was, and a good role man in Capella, like Rudy Gobert was. Can I mention that the Hawks won today? Just about an hour ago? Yeah. They beat the Nets. Trey Young had a game-winning... Little, uh, little jumper at the free throw line. They beat yeah, the that... quickly imploding Nets. Yeah, the Nets have not been um everything that I was hoping they would be, where they've just got you know twelve solid players and that's enough to win you games. The um don't play bad players thing doesn't work so well when your best player is Spencer Dinwiddie. It's really interesting to kind of see the Nets have just completely moved away from using Seth Curry, Joe Harris. Um, I mean Utah didn't play at all. Uh, Ben Simmons. I mean. Jock Vaughn just straight up said, listen, I'm not playing Ben Simmons anymore. The guy's dead weight. But but it is really interesting just how much they've leaned into all of the new guys. They still have a lot of rotation players. They're the worst player in their rotation could still be a starter on a number of teams. Do you guys hate me if I gave you another Golden State Timberwolves update? This is too much. No, but our listeners might. (laughs) You can cut when this they out. listen to this game, this two <laughs> days afterwards. Yeah, two days after. So, uh, no Wiggins, no Steph, obviously, no Draymond for Golden State, and no Gobert for the Timberwolves. So, peculiar game. Injury report stacking up. So it's Clay and Poole versus uh, Anthony Edwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is Towns back yet? No, he's gearing up for it, but I thought it, he might be back after the break. I'm curious to see how they handle that. I, I'm going to stop my Timberwolves tangent right now. I'm. In, I'm I am so interested in what the Timberwolves are doing. Carry on. Well, the one good thing that uh, came out of the Hawks game is that Sadiq Bay looked really nice. Catch and shoot threes. It, it's the right role. It's it's a good spot for him I'm on the team. And it did add some more spacing that Collins doesn't usually provide. I mean, he is a spacer, but not that high of a level one. So, you know, S- Snyder's got a lot to play with. I'm certainly interested to see what he does. I don't think it'll be that big of an impact this season. But moving forward, they could be a lot more fun to watch because right now is it was a rough, rough watch. And you got to be excited. Trey Young is an awesome player. You can criticize him all you want, and I've done plenty of criticizing because he's a terrible defensive player. You kind of have to play Trey Young ball. But if you can get a system in place that 
gets those drive and kicks to perfection and the shooters like like quinsetter had in utah there's there's a real framework there they have the talent to start building up it's not like they need they have they have these two stars they can start building more of an eastern conference contender i hope the coach is right well another game that i gotta watch which fuck who even was it it was utah someone oh i don't watch yeah well we had we had talked about doing uh, the revisiting the rookie of the year, and I've noticed that Paolo Pancaro's statistical dominance is slipping. I wanted to watch him play the Pistons, but of course, three day blackout wasn't actually able to. But it, there have been a lot of rookies that have been catching fire of late. J Dub in Oklahoma, number eight, Jalen Williams, J A L E N Williams, mm-hmm. I believe. Yeah, J A L E N. Uh, He's been great for the Thunder. And then, of course, there's Kessler Walker has walker kessler walker kessler is that really Guess, how his name goes yeah i Kessler really like edwards the other one kessler edwards is the other one it should it should be the other way but not only is he blocking shots but i really like his defensive presence it, it's not just let me go jump and swing at everything like you know triple j out in memphis he gets a lot of blocks but he also gets a lot of fouls and one of the reasons why he gets more blocks at home is he gets a little bit friendlier whistle at home, a little bit less fouls, or really the same amount of fouls, but a little bit later in the game. So, like, he gets to be a little bit more aggressive. Walker doesn't do that. Walker is in good position. And even when he's not getting the block, he does a great job of just staying vertical and contesting shots. I think he'd be my vote, honestly. If I had to pick rookie of the year, I think with how he's locked down the paint for a team that is pretty competitive and it's just him and Laurie Market had won a game in their, in their last game, just him. There's those two is good enough. Um, I feel like I texted Nate a while back and I said something along the lines of, I think people shelved away Paolo Bancaro, Rookie of the Year, like like at Halloween. Just they saw he was pretty good to start. and like, God, this is it. Here's the guy, 20 points per night. Since in his last 17 games, since the 20th of January, Bancaro is averaging 16.6 points, six and a half boards and three assists. On 37, 17, 73 splits. So anyone could do that. There are like 10,000 people on earth who could give you 16 points on the worst efficiency in the league. Um, compare that to Matherin in the same time. Let me actually pull up those stats. In the same time, 17 points, four and a half boards, one and a half assists on 45, 28. 87 splits so three-point shooting isn't there but it's still 10 percent better and the efficiency is all around better even guys someone like keegan murray basically all the other rookies are averaging 12 to 17 points on much better efficiency in the last month and maybe even winning some games yeah and, and to your point nate like it's very rare that a rookie can come in and make a positive defensive impact like it's so rare like that's one of the things that really um you know hyped evan moby last um you know during his rookie season was like not only is this guy passable as a as a rookie but he's actually making a positive impact um and walker kessler is already one of the best rim protectors in the league like when he is on the floor opponents shoot only 61.1 percent at the rim which sounds kind of high but rim shots are a lot easier um and so that's 92nd percentile that goes up by 7.1 percent when he's off the floor so showing a clear impact that he's having there um on the defense and like you said, Nate, the reason that he's able to do that is he's got the sort of, you know, mature defensive game where he can use his size, go vertical, deter shots. You don't have to block everything as long as you're impacting everything. Um, and it is a very Rudy Gobert-like. I have a great question. Would you trade Walker Kessler for Rudy Gobert straight up right now? 
Ignore the contracts. Pretend they're both free. Mm, sorry, not ignore the contracts, but pretend the contracts could work. Rudy Gobert is still as expensive as he is, because Walker Kessler is still... You got, you got me all fucked up now. Is it Walker Kessler? <laughs> it is Walker Kessler. <laughs> Walker Kessler. It just feels wrong. Walker is yeah, a last on the, name. On the rookie deal... I feel like I wouldn't. I just wouldn't do that. Yeah, I'd want. I, absolutely. Yeah, that's not, and they they have everything else too. It's just oh my god. Do you, you want to guess who's leading? Do you, you want to guess who's leading all rookies and win shares? Got to be him. Simi Arbiter. Given the rebounds and field goal percentage and. Yeah, it's him. Do you want to guess who's leading rookies in box plus minus? It's got to be him. It's him. Do you want to guess who's leading the rookies in VORP? VORP, my favorite stat. Except for John Stockton has the most VORP ever, which ruins my day every day. Just just a day ruiner, as you think about that. How do they make that stat and we're immediately just like, all right, we fucked that one up. Back to the drawing board. <laughs> Clearly, that's not right. Sorry. But he, he has to have the most warp as well. <laughs> Listen, as a man who makes matrixes to try to rank and evaluate players, I made it one time and it had Carl Malone as 9 and Bill Russell as... or Carl Malone as 10 and Bill Russell as 11. I was just like, all right. I fucked that one up. I'm gonna <laughs> throw it out. Gonna go back to fixing this. That's what they should have done with all of the entire VORP scale. How does John Stockton have the most VORP? Uh, well, do you, do you know who has the most VORP for all rookies? Our guy, Walker Kessler. It's 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 really an outstanding and kind of sweep when we get away from just sheer box score stats. When we start looking at what is the impact out there, and another thing. I, I was listening to Zach Lowe, and he stole my thunder. This yeah. guy, this guy's everywhere. This guy has, the, he's got the deepest takes. I was like, you know what? I'm going to watch San Antonio and see how their rookies are doing. I was really doing it for Sohan, who was okay in that game. Uh, but Malachi Brandon w- was everywhere. They were feeding him a lot. Uh, Malachi Brandon, in the month of February, is 18 points per game. If you're on a bad enough team and you feed anyone enough attempts, you can get them 18 points per game. And, and like, that's not that Malachi Brandon's that actually all that bad he was 50 percent from the floor 40 percent from three um but it just it, it's a volumes thing and so i'm a little bit less impressed lately watching paulo bancaro does does that um i mean like you said nate earlier in the year it seemed like he was a lock for best rookie and probably the best best prospect from this draft as well um given what we've just said that walker kessler is already one of the best defenders the most impactful defenders in the league um as as just purely a prospect, do you think you are to the point where you would take Walker Kessler over Paolo Banquero? No. That's the thing. That's the thing about the rookie of the year voting is it's not really about who's the best rookie. Banquero is yeah. going to be way better. He's gonna. I think he's going to have the better career. He might be one of the ten best players in the world in a few years, um, or in five years. But the ceiling on Kessler is so much, so much lower. It impacts that voting. You don't want to look yeah. stupid. You want to vote for the, the the rookie that wasn't the best out of the class. Um, you, you want to have your the stand up to time. Yeah, like, you you don't want Malcolm Brogdon over Joel Embiid. I still, yeah. it's the right pick though. I stand behind that one. That's the right pick. <laughs> Joel Embiid played like thirty games that year. I'm sorry. That that's fair. Let me talk about Keegan just for a second because he has been a positive player on on one of the better teams in the league. He is 25th among qual I guess not among qualifiers, but qualifiers for three point percentage, he is 18th, and then in just straight up three pointers made, he is 25th. 
just in the entire league as a rookie. He's just six eight sharpshooter, and he's a he's a plus on defense. I wish he rebounded more because he basically starts at the four, and I think he's averaging like four rebounds a game. Um, that that has to come up. Needs to be a little more physical inside, but he had a move in one of our most recent games where he actually like dribbled went behind the back and then shot a jumper, and that's. Usually he's just his turret that just moves around the perimeter. Um, if he can develop a handle just a little bit, it opens up, you know, that shooting gets that much more dangerous because he's basically one of the best shooting shooters in the league without having to do anything else. Also, a little side note, did you guys know his twin brother's left-handed? I, I did not know he had a twin brother. He's, yeah, he has a twin brother, identical twin. He, he's still at Iowa. I knew he had a brother that was still at Iowa. I did not realize they were identical twins. That's interesting. They're completely identical, except for the whole left-handed thing. It's like the Twilight Zone, watching Keegan Murray shoot with his left hand. They're just mirrors of each other. Yeah. Kings have to pick him up, because he's like a he's a projected like 15, 25-ish pick. Well, it could happen. He's he's not as good. He's you know He is as old as Keegan is right now, and is not as good as Keegan was last year in Iowa. If you didn't know how twins work, oh, they're the same age. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that, uh, that tracks. Uh, I think it's it's become an interesting rookie class. Yeah, you know, you're starting to see a lot more of these guys get late later in the season burn. Mark Williams, now that Plumlee's gone, uh, I'm pretty sure he just had like a 20 and 20 game. I know Jalen Duran also just had uh, a 20 and 20 game. Him like the the bigs from this class are actually looking really solid between. Duran Williams and whatever he is, Walker Kessler, Kessler Walker. Or you know, it's it's starting to look like a pretty solid Walker Texas Ranger. Yeah. Uh, I hope my friend Roz doesn't hear this. She named her kid Walker. I've been pretty <laughs> harsh on that being a first name. I think I'd vote for Kessler, Walker Kessler, and then um and then Keegan Murray after that. I just I appreciate the the contributions to winning basketball. Um, Keegan's averaging thirty minutes a game on the three seed in the West. He starts has started every game but two 55 starts and he still gets yanked sometimes like sometimes he just starts like shit and then they brown just pulls him and that's it although we waived casey akpala which is just by the grace of god <laughs> good guy right good defensive player thank god coach brown can't give him any him any more minutes hey lakers will take him we still need another wing not sold go. on uh, winning gabriel He's better. I mean, he's probably better than Wendy and Gabriel. He also, had some good minutes. There is some games. There is a game against Boston where Casey Akpala came in and he set the tone and we came back. We ended up losing, but we got like a 20-point lead to, to five by halftime, and he was a big part of that, but yeah. Also, looking over my notes from the 10 games I've watched in the last two days, really sports is kind of a blur between the, all of the games and the concussion. Uh, Abaji had some really nice moments in the, the Jazz Thunder game. He had a couple of back-to-back threes. Um, or it was like three threes and five possessions. And it's from my notes. Yeah, and Angers freed up some minutes for him as well by trading away some of the guys ahead of him, which yeah. is a, a, a very clutch move from a GM on a rebuilding team. I forgot. Uh, Matherin completely blew the game against, against the, the Celtics. It was overtime, and he follows Marcus Smart. They're, they're up three, and he follows Marcus Smart on a three with the closeout. And then gets furious and talks with the refs and gets teed up. So they go from being up three to down one off of four free throws. And it was just it was just a classic rookie mistake. Walker Kessler shooting 71%. Holy shit. Yeah, he's shooting from three feet. You know, an interesting part of the, of that, the Kessler experience hey, he, is he, before he had the a draft. corner three in his first game after back from the All-Star. Before okay. yep. the uh, before the I guess before the draft happened, I was really high on him because because he kind of took threes in college, and there's a difference between like not even attempting them and just 
chucking up like two bricks a game at 20 percent um i think like there's this uh, there's a universe where he him and brooke lopez like become intertwined and, and there's a future for him out there i don't know but it's possible it's it's not like he's gobert he can't shoot from 15 feet the poor free throw shooting is something that i've always kind of looked at especially with college players um because they say that free throw percentage translates better to the nba it's the same distance it's the same you know pressures but three-point shooters you'll see that wild variance because of the the length of the line um and he was a bad free throw shooter in college he is still a bad free throw shooter in the the nba sure yeah and and free throw percentage is supposedly something that correlates quite well with growth in three-point shooting so he'll be a 53 percent three-point shooter one counter example that always stuck out to me is I was a big Zach Levine fan in college and that man could not hit free throws, but then he became a really awesome three point shooter. And so like the you know, it's not it's not a death sentence to not be able to hit free throws that you're not gonna be able to shoot, but there are very few guys who develop into good shooters that aren't good free throw shooters. Like even Brooke Lopez is one of the probably the best free throw shooting big men um of like mm-hmm. the twenty tens. But yeah, it, it would be interesting to see a player really develop and I guess like master that Brook Lopez archetype of like stands under the rim and then shoots threes really well. Um, and other than that, just takes efficient shots because Brook like came into it, but he was like so late in his career by the time he like developed that skill. He was already post prime when he when he got that. And so if Kessler can develop that while he's still got all of his athleticism, that could be a really interesting player. It's it's kind of what Mobamba is is a <laughs> let me be a secondary rim protector. But, or like, the, you as know, a good player, though. I didn't mean to laugh at you so hard. I just, <laughs> just I thought you were, I, were you serious? Are we, are we, because I thought you were joking. No, no, I mean, that, that is what Mobamba is, <laughs> yeah, is a, is I can, I can try to block some shots. I'm not actually that good of a rim protector, uh, but I can kind of come over and help and maybe get a block. And then on offense, I, I stand at the three point line and LeBron passes me the ball and I shoot a three. That's that's what his role is. It, yeah, it's, it's like Mo Bamba if he was actually good at protecting the room and shooting. <laughs> that's so good. <laughs> I, I I still have Mo Bamba stock. There's no way someone with that body isn't at least a little bit good at basketball. There's just no way. There's no way his intangibles are that bad. I was really in on him before the draft, and so the fact that he disappointed, I just have to wildly swing the other way. I thought there's no way this guy fails and disappointing. And then he talks shit to my man, Austin Rivers, so... His arms are so long. How could he not be a good room protector? There's no... I could be a good room protector if my arms were that long. I'm 5'9". Come on, I could do it. Once I found out he was American, I was out. (laughs) It's it's the foreign prospects that I, like... I have... He convinces you. You like you like the mystery, the mystery. But he's yeah. just te- he went to Texas A and M. He's just a regular guy. Yeah. Once I see you play in college, I'm like, ah, I know what yeah. this translates to. I know what this level is. You, you play in some obscure league. Like, I am so glad Giannis is good because I was so obnoxious about how good Giannis was going to be before he ever played. And like, I've been wrong about a lot of people. So the fact that one of them actually worked, like, thank God. You see some prospect playing in like the Israeli level four league, and you're like, dude, I'm in. Like, I'm in. This 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 Israeli league translates to the NBA, and I'll tell you why. You were not on when I was all about Isak Banka, but I was all about Isak Banka. Wow. <laughs> I remember him. I remember him for not being very good. So that's too bad. Yeah. You remember him? He was in the league like a year ago. 
He was I mean, starting from the Wizards. For I remember him being like, I think it's impressive that I remember him given the yeah. lack of basketball impact. But isn't it isn't it crazy to think about like in a way humans have like a finite memory. Like there's only certain amount of information that you can that you can hold. Like how many obscure and irrelevant like basketball players are filling up our minds? This is the philosophical section of the podcast. Too many too many like not not just names but like the fact that you, you know you could bring out some random role player from 2014 and like you'd like have a picture of them you know like roughly what height they are what they were good at you know sometimes i'll be doing basketball lists or making videos and i'm like if i could put this energy towards like a job <laughs> or yeah. like something else i'd be dude, i'd be so successful but my brain does not the dopamines do not fire when i do other things yeah i, I was right. the same at, at university like i spent more time on basketball than i did on my degree i wanted to try to like prove this and so i was like i'm gonna grab a random team from 2013 ah minnesota slightly below average and i look at this roster and i'm like you guys are gonna know every single one of these players <laughs> yeah, I bet. kevin love andre karolinko nikola pekovic luke ridnauer Ricky Rubio, Dante Cunningham, Derek Williams, Cunningham. Brandon Roy, Alexi Shved, JJ Barea, Chase Budinger. We're, we're 11 guys deep. Chase Budinger is a professional volleyball player now, or at least he was. That That's yeah. how deep this goes, is I know what they're doing now. Yeah. <laughs> and it's also ironic that I was going to use Alexei Shved as the example, but I thought that would be not obscure enough. When I was just trying to think of an obscure 2010s role player, Alexei Shved was the guy I was going to come up with. It's Lou Amason, Josh Howard. Like, yeah. I know 13 of these players pretty well. I, I do not know Lazar Hayward. That That is where my, my knowledge drops. Well, you guys want to going back to something. <laughs> if you had to vote for rookie of the year, you're like a top three. Oh, can, 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 we, can we make it more interesting? Yeah, not sure. top three right now. Top three at the end of the season. Dang Look sure. at the trends. Get get a little bit um projection. Yeah, that sucks. I'm going to say given that. I mean, okay, this is my vote. This is not a prediction of what will happen because I think Paolo is just so locked in. I can't imagine voters go the other a way. Yeah, a, a prediction of what your vote would be at the end of the season. Well, can I give you a little little note on Paolo? Sure. Paolo in the month of February, 15 points, 7 rebounds, 3 assists. Down on his year average right now for the full season, he's basically 27-3. and three. And so this was a 15-7-3. and He dropped... Uh, True shooting down to 42%. He's missing Mobamba's spacing is what I'm trying to say here. Man, maybe he's finally got some like decent players around him that's affecting him. Or the other what? thing is like the later you get into the, the season, the more bad teams stop trying to win games and the Magic are a really bad team. And so they probably start phoning it in a little bit more. Yeah. I'm going to say by the end, I vote for Keegan. Pure homerism, but also this is such an important stretch. I feel like the Jazz will for a lot of the playoffs. They're gonna fall out of that play-in spot. Um, are you maybe. putting them? Are you putting them the number one put on your ballot? Yes, because I think the Kings are gonna hold on to the three seed, and he'd be a rookie playing big minutes on one of the best teams in the league. And I, I think that's that's enough for me. Wow. I don't think that's crazy. I mean, when's the last time we saw a rookie like heavily contribute? I guess almost basically start every almost every start every game for. Yeah, that's fair. For uh, see that, I'll have to go back and check on that. And I'll message you guys with my findings, but I think my projection is that it still ends with Apollo number one. I think Kessler Walker Kessler is going to be number two. I 
it wouldn't surprise me if Jalen Williams is able to snag number three from your boy Keegan. Um, but I could also see Keegan keeping it, especially if they are going to make the playoffs. Keegan also had a really rough February um, on the season. Keegan is at 12 points per game in February. That dropped to nine. Um, and, and really the February, January splits night and day. January, he's at 14 points. I, I guess February is 10. It's 9.9. But huge drops in shooting in uh, rebounds. It's it's a sizable drop that I'm just always kind of worried about which rookies hit that wall where just the last couple of months of the season, they don't have it anymore. They're just exhausted. Playing 82 games is so much and we are not used to it. So is that, is that a lock for Jalen Williams then, Nate? Uh, for my third? No, I'll go Keegan. I'm trying to see if there's anyone I missed. I was really hoping there'd be like some great undrafted candidate. Um, Aaron and I were joking around with Portland shutting down a bunch of guys that Shaden Sharp was going to go off, and then he had like a five-point game. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's probably not going to happen. That was kind of his opportunity. Yeah. What, what's your three? Um, it's a little bit tough because like Paolo has banked a lot of box score numbers already. So like even if we continue the slide, and also like his um, impact metrics aren't very good, like it, he's not contributing to winning really. Um, like he's banked a lot of box score numbers, so he probably has to be top three. And then Walker's the opposite where he's averaging like, what eight points per game and eight rebounds but is having a massive impact um mm. and so he's got to be there and i think Jalen williams is going to continue to rise i think he might be the guy um i think there's there's a pretty decent chance that Jalen williams is the best player from this draft class interesting Ooh, i like that he he looks watching him like if i was watching it with my mom she'd be like oh who's that guy she just watches everyone everyone's a blake slate and he, she would pick him out, being like, that guy's pretty good. What's his name? Number, whatever his number is, she'd pick out his number. And I'd be like, Mom, I don't know the number. She'd notice <laughs> it. It is always interesting watching sports with someone who doesn't fully get it and understand it. And then when they pick up something, like my wife, bless her heart, never never did sports, never did anything, never watched them, never paid any attention. Her brother does cars and coding and like, great guy, never played sports. Her dad, uh, chemistry professor, never did. Like, like sports is just the most foreign concept to her. And she watched the Clippers game, and she was like, man, why are they just not guarding that guy? He <laughs> pointed at Westbrook. It's <laughs> <just> like... <laughs> You know, it's it's the the thing of like you get that person that doesn't do sports and they they point out something that's just so obvious. Um, he has some of that. He has the the big body, the the build, and some of the skills. It doesn't always translate. It doesn't always come through. Yeah, and like Keegan Keegan has that too, though. He was matched up against Paul George, and maybe it's just because they were both in you know yeah. both thir- wearing number thirteen. Uh, he was in white, the other guys, or George was in black, and like those are very tran- flippable jerseys. Like there were moments where they looked like each other in their play. I want to note in in the light of the story about your wife, Nate. I took my girlfriend to a Rockets game or the Kings Rockets game, and mm-hmm. she noted that who is like the tall white guy that keeps falling down and then pretending to be hurt and then getting back up. And I had to explain like what flopping is and why Shingun does it, and then she called him a bitch. <laughs> she's like does not like Shangun. <laughs> uh, she's like he's he's like playing hurt on the ground. Like why does he keep falling over? Like we're not even touching him. I think it's a pretty good place to wrap. <laughs> yeah. Just I have one more note. The the Bucks just beat the Suns, 
and I just I pulled up the game. Did not realize that Middleton's still on the men's restriction. Giannis didn't play. Uh, so this was the Brooke Lopez, Drew Holiday, Bobby Portis, Javon Carter, and Grayson Allen Bucks taking down Phoenix. Please play basketball soon, Kevin Durant. I want I to see. He was supposed to play. He was supposed to play, and then he pushed it back another couple of days. Yeah, I think he's also, playing on the first. Yeah. Also, play Darius Baisley and TJ Ward. Just, just give, him, give him some burn. Just, just let him try. Come on, Phoenix. Try something. Well, gentlemen, any final takes? Shin Kun's a bitch. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I don't think there's anything more, um, uh, no better way to conclude this than Shin Kun's a bitch. <laughs> where can the people find you? Possible chairs on TikTok. Dylan, where can people find you? Contemplating whether or not to quit the NBA. Just shaking my head at every Russell Westbrook position. And it's official. Quinn Snyder has agreed to a five-year deal to coach the Atlanta Hawks. Great pickup. Love it. I think he lasts two. I said the line of two and a half. Two years, and then does he make it to the second that that all-star break? I, I, I think this is a, a franchise-altering signing. I think this is the turning point for them. Who lasts longer, him or Trey Young? No, the, the better question is him or John Collins, because like John Collins, <laughs> no one wants him there, but he's still there. So it just proves how difficult it is he is to get rid of. John Collins is a Hawks lifer. Put the put his jersey in the in the Raptors, man. He's been there forever. Would it, wouldn't that just be so funny if like come the end of his career he's just still on the Hawks and like they like retire his jersey for like <laughs> you know, this twelve year NBA career of loyalty and like just gets totally overridden that they tried to trade him every single year of his career and they couldn't. Yeah, we're almost there with Miles Turner. We've almost completed the cycle with, with Turner. Yeah. He might he might have his jersey up in the Raptors and we'll also never wanting to be there. Yep, the Furcon Court Miles All Stars. <laughs> Yes, that that's a good one. <laughs> Hostage.